Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Eric Johnson, we are in your studio here in Manhattan, which is also your home, which yes. is also your family room, Yes. which is also awesome. Thank you. You are surrounded by your beloved keyboards. Yeah. How many keyboards are in this room right now? I think 26, 27, something like that. Why do you have so many? Oh, it's an addiction, uh, if I'm honest. It's just because like, you can't have too many. There, there's no such thing as too many. But um, everyone has its own character, its own you know specialization. This one's great at strings, and this one's great at bass, and this one's good for brass. And so you know you get to know that stuff. And, and it's also um, a constant source of chaos, serendipity. So you plug one in and turn it on, and 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 weird stuff comes out. And so you kind of follow that and, and explore it and see where it goes. So. so what's your passion exactly? If I had to to put it in a word, I'd probably say creating. I love to create, and whether it's music, whether it's writing, whether it's drawing, stuff like, anything where you're, I feel like we are our best selves when we are creating. Whatever it is that our thing is that we make, that's when we drop all of our pretenses and our deepest selves come through. And uh, so, because I like to do so many different kinds of things, uh, that's why I decided really early on that what I wanted to do was film. And so that was a film major, and my real passion is film, which is weird considering that I've got all this audio stuff. But um, originally, the reason I got into music was as support for making movies and doing film, and it just turned into a career. And that's kind of how it happens. You know, you, you start doing something, and it works out, and so you keep going. And so now, uh, 25 plus years later, uh, I've got all of this, and um, part of what we're doing here in New York is to return back to what drew me in in the first place, return to our original passion, which is filmmaking, video production. And so uh, one of the things that I hope is as we complete our album, Christie's album, and start rolling out that music, that we'll be able to do some music videos. It'll be really fun. So that's... And we interviewed Christy Krings, and she's her wife. Yes. Yes, lucky me. And you guys, you are lucky. Yeah. We're lucky guys. Yeah. She's lucky as well, though. Yeah. What a great partnership you guys have. I mean, I, it seems as if personally and professionally. It's, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. It's absolutely, she is definitely uh, the, the best thing in my life and the best, the coolest thing about me is her, for sure. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky. She's truly my soulmate. That's awesome. So you guys just moved to Manhattan here together from Colorado. Yeah. And how are you feeling about it? Uh, it is the big adventure. And um, I, I love it. It's amazing. I love change. I love, um, I love shaking things up. I love to rattle rattle the box and rearrange the pieces. And we haven't done that in a long time. We we uh, lived in Colorado, and I love Colorado. I grew up in Colorado. It's a beautiful state. Wonderful people there. But um, we just gotten stag stagnant. There was 
a little too much history there for us, especially professionally, um, with some of the, the uh, difficulties that we'd had, and we needed a fresh start. We needed to uh, fresh perspective and start over. And so, you know, we could have moved anywhere, and we we picked Manhattan. <laughs> How do you feel about that decision? Uh, well, everyone says it was very unwise, and most certainly it was. Uh, from a, any logical perspective, it makes absolutely no sense. But uh, from an artistic perspective, it was exactly the right thing. Exactly. It's It's been everything I hoped it would be and so much more. I, I had no idea. What? Tell everybody what your favorite or most memorable project that you've worked on was. Oh, wow. Well, uh, my favorite project is uh, definitely my wife's album. Uh, there's nothing like it. Uh, I, I produced music for other people for many years, and it wasn't until I heard her sing that I uh, was like, okay, this is the voice that I want to put my music into, my own music. And so we became writing partners, and my passion for music and all of the things I hear in my head has been poured into her album. And uh, so that's, that's definitely the thing that not only brought us together, but that is our statement of who we are, both individually and as a couple. And, so. and that's not out yet, right? No, it's not out yet. We're, one of the things we're here to do is to finish it and get it released. Okay. Well, you need to let us know because by the time this airs, it could be out. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, keep us posted. That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. So what have you found as the greatest challenge in getting this passion or keeping it into your life full time? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say for me personally, I've had a couple of challenges. Um, one of the biggest was, uh, my sense of perfectionism was a huge barrier because if it wasn't going to be perfect, I didn't want to do it. And so that was just so much pressure, so much inertia to say, I've got to take on this giant, I've got to make a finished product that is as perfect and beautiful and shiny as the very best product I've ever seen by any of my favorite artists. Or, you know, what you compare yourself to the stuff you love and you say, I'm not that good. And so I'm not going to do it until I'm that good. And that means you never do it. And so the, the, the key to unlocking that for me, and this just happened recently, this happened very, very recently, was I, I had a, a counselor, a person that I was working with, um, who was coaching me and said, it gave me a, a tool that was incredibly valuable. She said, practice imperfection. Actually practice doing something not perfectly and see how that feels, try it out experiment with it and that has been so freeing it's been just like opening a door to to realize that no it doesn't have to be perfect because you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna mess up and the way to get better is to make mistakes and move on and do it again and try again and to iterate it's all about iteration it's all about perfecting over time and so really the message is get busy making mistakes hurry up failing so that you can succeed get over the failing phase as fast as you can. And so that overcame that, that well, might be fear-based or it might be control-based, but that sense that I've got to do it perfectly, just, just start. Uh, I had another friend recently that, that gave me another example of that principle that said, um, there was an experiment, I don't even know if this is true, it might be totally anecdotal, but an experiment where a teacher has, has two sets of classes, and as a teacher, you might relate to this. Um, tells the one class, okay, you're going to have one final project. 
at the end of the year. And you're going to be graded completely on just one project, and it has to be perfect. It has to be absolutely amazing. And they spent an entire year working on one project. And to the other class, I said, you're, you, you're not going to be graded on the quality of your work at all. You only have to, have to produce as many projects as you can. So, so you're graded on how many you make. And that at the end of the year, the class that was making as many projects as possible, their projects were better than the projects that the class where you said you do one and only one project and they do it perfectly. That's, that's, that was the key to me for unlocking those, that personal barrier and that overcoming that inertia, that fear of just start. Get busy failing. So if I asked you what you've learned about yourself, would it have to do with that or is there something else that stands out to you also? Uh, that was the, the big thing that I learned about myself was how much I was holding myself back, how much I was a barrier to my own progress and moving forward because of my own judgment about my product, my abilities. It wasn't never, nothing was ever good enough. And uh, that has, I, I've realized it just in time, hopefully, but later in life, how much that was a barrier to me doing what I want to do. Yeah, I, it's paralyzing. Exactly, exactly. It's totally paralyzing. And it was easy to work for other people on their passions and help them with their dreams. But when it came to my passions and my dreams, no, I couldn't work on that because it wasn't going to be good enough. So, You know, technology is so amazing these days. What advice do you have for people? I, what I love about you is that you, you love creating in general, but you do it in multiple ways. And I know, you know, producing music, playing music, creating by writing. And technology now, is, it's so available. What kind of advice would you give for somebody who's sitting there, you know, they're just on the precipice of taking the first step? What, what would you say? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is such a big deal. And I, I feel like sometimes people don't really realize the gift of living now in this time. Because when I started, I, like I said, I wanted to make movies. I was a film major. But when I started, it was shooting film on film with film cameras and you had no idea what it would be until it was done and it cost a tremendous amount of money. And so the barriers to starting that and doing that were so huge, it was almost impossible. Mm -hmm. It was almost impossible. And now you can buy a DSLR, you can do a laptop computer and you have a movie studio. It's incredible. There are no limits. You can do anything you can imagine you can do. And so what's interesting to me is that, and this is, uh, there is a lesson in this that whether it's music, whether it's movies, those, those two things, which in the past, those have been very cloistered professions. Those are things where you, in order to get in, you had to get a big break, you had to know somebody, you had to be chosen to get a chance to work in music or movies. Those barriers don't exist anymore. It is fully democratized. You know, I, I interviewed somebody, his name is Mark Hafner, and he is a, he's a, a Emmy award-winning musical composer, and he, the way he put it, same thing that you're saying, is basically the internet and the technology today has made the printing press available to everybody. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like what you're saying. Exactly, and so, so the, the challenge then, and this is, this is what I find interesting, is that now that there are no more barriers, no more limitations, and no more excuses, where's the really amazing new art? Where's the really incredible new music, new stuff that's happening? It, it's, it's not as prolific as you would think. And I think there's, it, it, it says something that there's still, we are still in our own way. We're, we're still the, uh, the, the barrier to being fully creative and released. And it's, it, maybe it's due to that self-judgment that I'm not good enough or, or what I create isn't going to be cool enough. And I, I think that, uh, so my message is, 
there are no limitations. You can do anything you can imagine. Just start. Just start. Um, the just start principle is actually something that I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, I had an experience uh, in Colorado that was a uniquely Colorado experience, but that really taught me a lot. And I've been, I've, I've been kind of mulling this over and, and trying to find a way to communicate this and get it out there. Maybe you know, write a book about it or something. I don't know. But um, the Just Start principle, um, near my town in Fort Collins where I grew up, uh, there was a, a tornado that came by uh, just a little east of the town. And it took out a whole community, just wrecked houses and, and caused a huge amount of damage. And so uh, I went with a, a, a large group of people that were organized by a church to go and help with a cleanup effort. And I, I remember, it was just amazing to go into this, to this neighborhood after it had been you know, laid waste. And it was really surreal. It was like being on the moon. You know, all the trees were gone. All the vegetation was stripped away. It was uh, really spooky. But uh, there was one house we went to. And from the front of the house, it looked completely normal. And you walked around to the back of the house. And in the back where the backyard was, was this mound of debris that, that stretched from the ground all the way up to the roof of the house. Like you could have climbed up to the roof of the house on this mountain of debris. And it was full of like chain link fences, like an entire chain link fence racked up in there. Right. And a tree and it, a, a light pole and so much stuff. And it was twisted and tangled in a big knot, just this massive pile of stuff. And you couldn't even get to it. It was so spread out and, and, and diverse. But if you grabbed a pole or something and pulled on it, it was so locked into the whole thing that it was a knot. You couldn't get any piece of it out. And I thought, I looked at it, and it was, you know, two stories high. And I'm going, we, we can't move this. we got to get a crane in here or something. We're going to have to get some heavy bulldozers or something to break this. We can't take this out of here. Um, but then what uh, people started doing is because, yeah, you couldn't even reach the pile because there's so much debris. Uh, look down at the ground, and what are my toes bumping up against? Oh, it's a piece of wood. So, go down and pick up this piece of wood. Take that away. And now what? Oh, there's a, there's a brick here. Pick up the brick, and by just the next thing in front of your toes, picking up that one thing, just starting. Pretty soon, the pile started to shrink, and things started to break loose, and it started to come down. Now we had a lot of people doing the same process, and so there's something also to be said there for collaborating and working with people. But very soon, that enormous thing, which you know, my first instinct was walk up. You see a pile of stuff, you walk up and take the thing off the top, and start taking stuff off the top. But that was not possible. It was too far away. It was unreachable, and it was all tied up. But I looked at the next uh, available thing. No matter how low, no matter how small it seemed. You're not going to move a pile by picking up this one piece of wood. It doesn't make sense. But very quickly, within like an hour, that whole pile was gone. Just gone. What a great lesson. It was amazing. Yeah, so just start. It, you, you take on, I need to be a musician, or I want to you know, make movies, or I want to be a writer. And that's such a huge thing to tackle. It's this giant mountain, and it's interlaced with all kinds of lessons and things and knowledge and experience and stuff you have to know in order to be able to do that. And it can seem overwhelming, and so you might never do it. You might, or you might try and chisel away at the top and, and never get anywhere. And instead, just start with the, the thing right in front of your face, the thing that's m most immediately visible that you can see and touch and handle, and pick that piece up and try that piece out. And then one more piece and one more piece, and before you know it, you're doing it. You know, Eric, I think this conversation between us is really great because here we are in the middle of New York City, right, having this conversation about creativity and all of that. And the two of us 
haven't had haircuts in three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're just, and, and we're so passionate about what's going on. Yeah. And, just, and I can hear it just coming from you. And the lessons that you just gave my audience are amazing. Where can they look you up? Uh, our company, our production company is Antimatter Media. And so antimattermedia.com. And there's a hyphen between anti and matter. Antimatter Media. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us today. Thanks. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady, a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along. Oh.